At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We are off and running with a winner in this pocket right here. Yes, it would be. That's Sean King. I'm yes. Tim Murray. We are here. A new week in front of us. And uh, the Raptors 76ers game just concluded as the trendy dog is down 0-2 as they head back north Oh, the border as the Toronto Raptors are now down two games to none as Philadelphia has now covered both games in this series, Sean, and they win 112-97. to And after a monster, monster uh, scoring output in game number one, the under comes home and a tip of the cap to our good friend Jonathan Von Tobel, vcin.com. You're going to want to check those write-ups each and every day. He's previewing all of the playoff games in his play. I agreed with it. I said I like what I... What I'm reading here, I texted my good friend Sean King you did. because we have a one-way street here. You know, not two-way, one-way. And uh, he followed, and bada-bing, bada-boom, we're off to a good start here. Yeah, so yeah. tell me what you think about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. After seeing the first two games of this series, a series where a lot of smart people, and I mean really smart people, people when it comes to the NBA, Yep. Thought that the Raptors were the upset pick of the first round. Now, granted, the series is not over, mm-hmm. but Joel Embiid for MVP. I know it's not a postseason award. I know it's given out during the regular season, but it was announced that it's Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis as the three finalists. Do you still stay on the side of the street that says you think it's Jokic, even after seeing Embiid 31 and I think 11 today? You know it's been voted on already. I know. Yeah. I know, but if your your opinion matters. Not, and when your not, opinion's wrong, I try and like it's, it's, slowly massage it to the right. Do you what kind of cigar bet do you want to do right now? No, because I don't I don't know who's gonna win. I don't know. It's Jokic. It might be. No, it is gonna be Jokic. It might be. There was one book today that actually still hung odds and was minus two thousand. Okay. So I have never stated that Jokic should absolutely win it. What I said was he will win it. I don't have a vote. Pretty impressed by the way Embiid played today. Yeah. We'll see if Jokic can will Denver to a, he won't be a non-sweep in the Golden State Series. No. and I'm just saying, if you're going to be the NBA MVP, you ought to be good enough to at least get one win for your team. Well, his, we'll team, his team's not very good. And when Aaron Gordon's your second best option, that's not, that's not hey, a good situation. To be Aaron in. Gordon's a dunk champion. Good for him. Tyrese Maxey had 38 points in game one. He how did. did. How did Joel Embiid do in game one? He didn't, he didn't win him that game. Tyrese Maxey was unbelievable. And uh, he had 23 again. They've got a big three going in Philadelphia. They really do. And Tyrese Maxey, who, once again, won't be playing north of the border. So something to keep in mind when this series shifts up there for games three and four. James Harden 
I don't know. I mean, we'll see if uh, James Harden can get some empty points uh, like he tends to do in playoff series. But uh, 14 points for him tonight. But yeah, Joel Embiid, to your point, 11, 31 points, 11 rebounds tonight. I thought Tobias Harris actually played really well. He did. I like what I saw from him. Uh, if you were a backer, he went three for three from three at 20 and 11. Uh, it was supposed to be the big three of Embiid, Harden, Harris, because he's a max type of guy. He's a max contract guy. But, uh, you know, Maxi has been just enormous in this series. And uh, now the Philadelphia 76ers up 112, or excuse me, up 2-0 after a 112-97 win. They cover, under comes home. Thanks again to JVT. Read, read those write-ups on vcin.com. And uh, we got a game coming up shortly. Denver, mm-hmm. Golden State. I thought Golden State looked okay. Uh, Steph being back. Jordan Poole is... Really fun to watch. Yeah, he kind of makes it difficult for Denver because even if Steph is out of the game, which I don't think Steph started in game one. He played, no. but he didn't start. You'll see more of him. Clay tonight. played a lot better, but he gives them like another instant offense to go with a, a, a lot of other like pieces that can score the basketball. So when you're looking at Denver, like what's the biggest thing they're missing from not having Porter Jr. and Murray? It's, it's points. Right. And I just don't think they can score enough. I don't either. You know, to keep up with Golden State. Yeah, and when you look at the point spread right now. Um, Especially with the runner-up in the MVP voting. Like, if they had Embiid, then they'd probably win two, three games. But No, they wouldn't. wouldn't. But it's okay. Embiid's got a lot of championships, though, right? Same amount as Jokic. Um. I mean, once again, if you want to make a bet, I will, I will, I will give you great odds. Don't let me derail your you conversation. I'm just messing with four you, bro. Five I'm just messing with you. I just want people I, to know I don't that I think Sean King thinks Good. that Joel Embiid should be the 2021-22 NBA MVP. And Sean, if this was yes. normal sports talk radio, I would, I would be like, yeah, I, I totally get it. What, what you, what we have all said is, it shouldn't diminish the performance that he's had this year. But the fact is, he will not win this award. It's I'm going just saying, to be Jokic. maybe this is a Florida situation. They haven't gotten all the votes yet. I mean, if you want to no. put pen to paper. Nah, nah, I mean, nah. I'm just saying. By the way, I think you owe me a cigar, if I'm not mistaken. From what? I think I won something. This weekend? Yeah, I think so. The only bet we made was Desmond Ritter will be a first-round pick. That was on Friday. Yeah, okay. And then we got A.J. Griffin, and then we got Malik Willis. I know we're going to get into it later, mm-hmm. but that Malik Willis thing, man, eh, been quiet on the home front. I'll still be a first-round pick. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, you want to double down? No, but I'm feeling a little better about that cigar wager than I was two weeks ago. No, he's not dropping out of the first round. I, so, so this is what happens now. He could drop out of the and top ten. I will tell you guys later, I made a huge adjustment to my QB rankings. It did not involve Malik Willis. It involved another player. And... You hear Matt Corral, you hear Desmond Ritter, you hear Kenny Pickett. There aren't going to be four quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I know some of it's smoke, but I want to ask you this, and and put us back on the two shot for a second, because I want him to see Tanner's face. How about this? Okay. You're Carolina. Mm -hmm. You call the Philadelphia Eagles. And say Philly has picks, what, 18? 15 and 18. 15 and 18. You call the Philadelphia Eagles Mm -hmm. and say, we'll give you the sixth pick in the draft. 
for the 15th pick in the draft and your third round pick plus Gardner Minshew. <laughs> You're trading back nine spots for Gardner Minshew, who was just traded this past offseason for what, a six round pick? You're giving up a third? And you're moving back nine spots in the first round. That is that is a fireable offense. You still fireable. have two first round picks. Fireable offense. On Philly side or Carolina side? Carolina side. Why? You're dropping down nine spots and in the gaining draft. a third round pick when you don't have a second or third. All right, so you're gaining a third. I'm yes. sorry, I misunderstood that. Yeah, okay. you're All swapping right, so you're- first round picks. Gaining a third and gaining Gardner Minshew, who's no. better than Sam Darnold, and he's going to be better than any quarterback no you would take at six. No way. No way. You wouldn't do it if you were Carolina, no or you wouldn't do it if you were Philly. Oh, I would do it in Philly. I would do it in, in two seconds. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I would, I would. It's a no-brainer for Carolina. <laughs> Absolutely. Gardner Minshew was traded this past offseason for what, Aaron? A six-round pick? I'm just saying. You know he's, much, better than, he's better than Sam Darnold. Do you know how much Darnold. value it is to go from 15 to six? Yeah. That's a. From 20 to 11 last year cost the Bears a first-round pick. Well, let's say... So you're moving nine spots into the top So you're six. saying the compensation from Charlotte is what you would... You'd want a second. You'd want a... I wouldn't you want a swap. trade. Are you, really? You don't think Gardner Minshew's better no. than Sam Darnold? Oh, yeah, you've lost it. He was traded for a six-round I'm just pick. telling you, he's better than Sam Darnold. Okay, yeah. then I'll trade. How about this? I'll call them and say, you guys just got a six-round pick for Gardner Minshew last year. We'll give you a fifth. There's no way on earth. But I'm trying am I to give add up nine spots. I'm in trying. The first round. I'm trying to add a second or third round pick this year. I understand, yes. but there are ways to do that and not that also bring a quarterback that I think could ultimately end up being our our 17 game starter. I would say this: if I can get 15 and 18, no, nah, they're not doing that. I understand, yeah. but there's no way. So you're telling me Gardner Minshew is worth? Nine less spots in the first round. I'm telling you, if I'm pick? Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule, my job is on the line. So I've got to get a quarterback on this I roster who we can I feasibly win football games with. And, and it, right now, I don't have that currently on the roster. And I, there's no one in this draft that I can pick at six. And because I don't have any other picks, I have to pick them at six that I think can help us win next year. So I am trying to do what's best to save my job. There are better court. I would potentially not that are available. Jimmy Garoppolo's better. Jimmy's hurt. You don't know what San Francisco's asking. They don't have a first round pick to swap with you this year. Let me just give you some of Gardner's stats now. Gardner in 2019 in Jacksonville threw for 3,300 yards, 21 touchdowns, and six picks. He came back in 2020 in the COVID year where all the games weren't played through 16 touchdowns and five. So in two years on a terrible Jacksonville team, he threw for 37 touchdowns, 11 picks. So what I'm saying is I think there's more potential there than it is with Sam Darnold, who I know can't play. Gardner Minshew was traded for a sixth-round pick I know. and did not play. Play last year, but it happens. And you're telling me, hey, Wentz, what you did Wentz? What did Washington? What did Washington give up for Wentz? Uh, a, f- a fourth, a third, a third. When the year before he went for a first, right? So it's a lot of you know give and take based on you know where the quarterback is, what his current value is. All I'm saying is Gardner Minshew to me is a better bridge quarterback. I don't for Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer than anything that they currently have. I don't available. I don't disagree. But there is no way 
on earth, I'm giving up nine spots in the first round for Gardner Minshew. You're getting a second or second round pick with it. No, you said third. Well, third, either one. You're getting a pick. You don't have a pick in the second or third currently. Nope. Nope. All right. Nope. We'll see. All right. Well, it's not going to happen, but uh, underway, Denver and Golden State. Golden State laying seven in this one. Go Panthers. This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in variety of tastes and strengths, Zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 challenge today at zyn.com slash 10. That's zyn.com. Slash 10. Zen nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Got a lot going on tonight. Got three NBA playoff games. Utah and Dallas right now. This game in the third quarter. Utah leading the Lucas Dallas Mavericks 73-68. to Denver jumping out to a quick 7-2 lead against the uh, Golden State Warriors. So if you're looking maybe to bet Golden State in-game, maybe there's a, an opportunity here at some point. Steph Curry not starting again tonight. Uh, so it is the starting lineup that we have seen uh, recently of Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, K- Kayvon Looney, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. Your live line, as you see it right there, Warriors minus four and a half. Alongside Sean King, I'm Tim Murray. Um, Aaron was looking at the evaluation chart or the the trade value chart out there. So basically for that trade that you threw out there, Mm -hmm. which would be Philadelphia moving up from 15 to 6, they would trade Gardner Minshew and then obviously the swap of those picks, a second, Mm -hmm. and then probably like a fourth or a fifth this year. That would get it done. So am I intriguing you yet? I would be a little intrigued. However, my question would be, how much of a blue chip guy am I missing out on at six if I'm Carolina? Now, Carolina could force the issue and draft a quarterback, and that would be, a, I think, a, a poor choice. Look, personally, I hope it happens. Right. Because uh, I hope they draft Kenny Pickett and I'll cast some tickets. But the more and more I think about it, I, I feel like it's not going to happen, Sean. I'm intrigued at 15 I mean, maybe in the second round now with the Philadelphia pick, maybe they are able to get a a Matt Corral or a Sam Howell, someone like that. Then I think it's well. It's I don't think really Philly has a second round pick. They have two thirds. Okay, so that makes it less interesting. Well, think of it this way: Philly moves up to six, where one or two thing, one of three things happens. They can select Devin Lloyd, who I think is oh God, if that happens. second or third best defensive player in the draft. They have the 51st pick, so they have one second-round pick. Okay. They can move up, take Devin Lloyd. Mm-hmm. They can take one of the edge rushers that have dropped, whether it be Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson. Yep. Or they could potentially get sauce. They could take Kyle Hamilton because they need no, a safety no, no, as no, well. No. Let's not speak that into existence. I'm, I'm just saying, like, this, this, these are options. And then at 18, the only reason I don't 
slack them to receiver right there. It was the 18. They're still, in my opinion, going to have their choice of Traylon Burks, Christian Watson. Uh, this will be a third straight year, by the way, that the Eagles have drafted. Well, Jalen Rager hasn't really developed into what they right. thought. He's shown flashes, but no consistency. You got Devontae Smith I'm not there. saying they shouldn't do it. Right. I'm just saying I'm, I'm just, it would be like, crazy. It would be Lions-esque. You add a piece years. that you didn't think you could have gotten before, and you don't really give up anything because Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback. True. And you still have your 18 pick sitting there. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think for the Eagles, it's it's a – now, granted, they signed Hassan Reddick, I think, in a free agency. And, yeah, but if you're and they able made, to get, yeah. I mean, in the top six, like you mentioned, all right, let's just play out a quick scenario. Let's say this happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, Philadelphia's sitting at six. Quickly, you've got Hutchinson gone, Walker gone. Sauce is gone. Sauce will be a top three pick. I spoke to four D coordinators since we got off the show Friday, and all four of them, have Sauce Gardner rated as the best defensive player in this draft, regardless of position. I mean, I look, I played under seven and a half for him. So. You could go cash that ticket now. Matter of fact, go ask him what they settle for you, with you. That, that's a done deal. That's a guarantee. I might have to go uh, look at it again. Then. Like, I knew Sauce was really good, but just validation occurred this weekend. Like, people think Sauce Gardner is the real deal. And remember I mentioned when I was talking about him when I had him going three to the Texans, very rarely do you find a long, tall corner that can also change direction, can start and stop, has ball skills, is physical. And so he checks off all of those boxes. Like there's some guys that think Sauce Gardner is a pro bowler year one. I mean, he's that highly regarded. So your seven and a half number yeah. is fine. You're good. Well, we didn't talk about it. I made that bet on Friday as a tip of the cap to Aaron. Aaron uh, loved that bet. And uh, I I followed him. It was minus one thirty. Now the juice, at least at DraftKings, is minus one eighty five. Yeah, and it'll keep going up. Because I think the Giants aren't. If he's available at seven, he's he's going to the Giants. Yeah, I just don't think he gets by. He might even go two. I've heard some rumors and some rumblings that Detroit has him. Imagine if Detroit two out of the last really three high. drafts. Well, and part of it is the three. fact that Jeffrey Okuda, when he's been healthy, hasn't looked very good. Right. So even though they used to a, a first-round selection on Okuda, he has not, first of all, been healthy. But when he has been healthy, he hasn't elicited a lot of confidence that he can be a number one guy. Just looking down a little bit more at the draft position, if there's a, any, I might any play, better juice. You know what I might play? I might play Sauce good. Gardner to the Lions at two and Sauce Gardner to the Texans at three. Because I don't think he gets by three. That would be, um, I'm looking at it right now. Third overall pick odds, Sauce Gardner, four to one. So it's not at DraftKings, four to one. So well, that's not, better than laying minus one eighty. That's not crazy. Yeah. Well, it yeah. pigeonholes me true into a, a, a smaller window, but I haven't seen many mocks saying that he would go three. But not to say that mocks are all gospel. It's it's what you're hearing. You've heard that. Look, I. I think Sauce Gardner is awesome too. Like I, I think there's a reason that he is by far and away the massive favorite to go as the top corner, despite the fact that you know Derek Stingley had his massive pro day. Um, Let me put this in your ear because I also got this information. I did a lot of investigative work this like weekend. It. Don't rule out Evan Neal and Ekwanu both being top one. both being top five picks. Oh, I think they're. I, why would I rule that out? Well, My, if the two D linemen go, yeah, and 
Sauce goes three, then you'd be saying the Jets and Giants are both going O-line. I don't think that's... Giants are going O-line. I'm just saying, like, I think they should, but again, they picked up four in free agency. So it just depends. So the, the mock exercise that we did, Everything that I've read. Now you've talked. To and and everything that I've read, it's yeah. Houston at three is is kind of a wild card, but a lot of people anticipate them to either go Ikiakuanu or Evan Neal, and I think at five the Giants are picking whoever doesn't go three. Mm-hmm. So I think both linemen likely are going top five, but at some point there's going to be a curveball and there's going to be a, a pick that we didn't see coming, especially in what is deemed. Uh, Sean, as one of the more unpredictable drafts I agree. we've seen in recent years. There's not a lot of consensus on who the Jacks, who Jacksonville's taking. Right. I was also told don't be shocked if Jacksonville still goes O-line one at number one. I still have that uh, Iquanu yeah. ticket. I'm not selling it. So, I mean, right now, if you look at the number one pick odds, Iquanu at DraftKings 12-1, to Evan Neal at 14-1. to But the Aiden Hutchinson odds have continued to inch back up to yeah. me. And, and I, I was doing a radio hit over the weekend, and someone asked me, what was a bet you would not advise? I said, do not bet Aiden Hutchinson to go one. Because I just think there's, it's, it's too much of a curveball. Trent Baalke has the history of drafting athletic guys over kind of, the, I don't know, a surer bet. I agree. And we just all assumed, and, and maybe it's a fair assumption, but we all just assumed that they're going edge. By the way, it's a pretty interesting tell, Sean, and I think I forget who it was over the weekend who we had on who talked about this. But Aiden Hutchinson visited with Detroit over the weekend. I know he doesn't think it's a lock at all, and no. he shouldn't. Exactly. So, and here's the deal with Aiden, and Aiden's a great player. He does things the right way. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a pillar of your organization on and off the field. But again, that elite production that occurred. Last year, remember, only 18 and a half total sacks at Michigan, 14 of them in one year. That means over a three-year period, he only had four and a half total. So I think some people are starting to see that the ceiling on Hutchinson is not as high as some of these other guys. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's what makes the draft fascinating. You know, when it's all said and done, it may go status quo. <laughs> you know, it may go Hutchinson number one, but it's far from a lock as we sit right now. All right. Uh, Let's get you an update on the NBA. We're going to head to uh, Memphis coming up next. How worried should Grizzly fans be? Or is it time to get in on the Grizzlies at a shortened series price? But real quickly, Utah. I have a Puxhardamus sweat. We have a 3-2 lead. Calgary is up on the Blackhawks. But I need Calgary to win by one and a half goals, which means by two or more. So, I need a Calgary Flames goal here. We got about five minutes left in the third. Let's get this home. Utah up by five on Dallas. That one early fourth quarter. And uh, Denver leading by seven early, 16 to nine. We talk some Memphis Grizzlies next right here on the Nightcap. Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Get your edge this playoff season with the Body Armor Edge Basketball Throwdown. Join four free fantasy hoop contests and play for your share of 20000 bucks in total cash prizes while the auction unfolds on the court. While the action unfolds on the court. Head to DraftKings.com slash Body Armor Edge 
now to draft your best lineup and find out if you'll outlast the competition. Body armor, more than a sports drink. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Two NBA games going on as we speak as the Utah Jazz lead the Dallas Mavericks, the Lucas Mavs. 90 to 84, actually 90 to 86 right now. That one, eight and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That game closed Utah minus five against the Mavericks. Remember, no Luka moved the line about eight points from opener. It was sitting at three heading into the weekend that Luka ruled out. They lose, do not cover over the weekend. Uh, do the Utah, uh, do the Dallas Mavericks, excuse me, and now uh, trying to avoid an 0-2 hole against the uh, Utah Jazz is Donovan Mitchell just got an and one there. So Utah, if they were to win this series, would uh, get the winner of the Phoenix and New Orleans series. Denver uh, off to a good start here, leading the Golden State Warriors 24-15. to uh, Nikola Jokic, not Sean's MVP, uh, 10 points and 5 rebounds already in this game to start. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, 8. No points for Klay Thompson. And uh, Steph Curry coming off the bench, he's got 2 points so let's uh, got you updated on that earlier tonight. Uh, it was Philly over Toronto. But one of maybe the biggest surprises of the weekend was the Memphis Grizzlies falling at the hands of the Minnesota Timberwolves over the weekend. And we'll see if uh, Memphis can bounce back. The voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine, joins us right now. And Eric, looking back uh, on Saturday, a 130-117 to 117 loss uh, to the Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards was absolutely tremendous in that game. Can you pinpoint something, in your opinion, that went awry for Memphis uh, over the weekend to uh, to fall to uh, to Minnesota? Well, I mean, I think there's a there's more than just one thing. But the, when the Grizzlies don't make threes, they they struggle a little bit, and they're not a lights out three point shooting team. But when they make pedestrian type numbers, as we say, thirty five percent or better, they they win about three and a half out of every four games. So um, they're really tough, and they didn't do that. They were seven for twenty seven. Um, part of that is I think Chris Finch has a really good defensive game plan against this team. He showed that in the regular season. They kind of shell up at the top of the arc and, and switch everything a lot like Miami does. And they pose some problems because they, they go a little undersized with Jared Vanderbilt at the four. They switch a lot. And then, you know, Carl Anthony Towns coming out to the perimeter draws a, a guy like Steven Adams out of there. And then, you know, the other thing in that game that I thought hurt the Grizzlies and it's not. Uh, something we're going to harp on a bunch here, but there, there were so many fouls called and the Grizzlies were scoring from the free throw line, but that's not when they're successful. They're successful being aggressive in the passing lanes. They're uh, successful taking care of the rebounding window and getting out and running. They led the league in rebounding and fast break points, points in the paint. Um, and I contend that their fast break points could be even higher because they'll take balls out of a net and go the other way and score. And that, those don't count officially by NBA rules, but they just weren't really able to get into that rhythm. They did overcome a, a poor defensive effort in the first quarter where they gave up 41 points, took the lead in the second quarter, but Minnesota had the answer. And I, I don't want to take anything away from what they did. They played a really, really good basketball game. And quite honestly, I thought the Grizzlies were almost too relaxed. They were trying not to get caught in the hype. They were trying not to get caught in the banter and the media. And I think they kind of came in with that uh, the swagger that almost said, all right, hey, we, we just got to be us and do our thing. But Minnesota said, well, we're going to try to not make you be you by essentially, you know, the, the hypothetically punching you in the mouth and seeing how you respond. And 
um, it didn't respond well. Jaron Jackson Jr. gets in foul trouble, and uh, DeAnthony Melton, who's been a real spark for the team, really didn't have a good game, and, and that that's a recipe for a problem for the Grizzlies for sure. You know, it's interesting. You know, as I was going back over this game, Eric, and trying to figure out what went wrong, I came away mm-hmm. thinking that the pressure's on Taylor Jenkins. You know, because when you look at after the game, Timberwolves shot 50% from the field and 39% from three. Because when you offensively look at what the Grizzlies were getting from Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, from a point production standpoint during the regular season, they matched or exceeded their season averages for the most part. Of course, Jaw had a great game. Now, you didn't get much from Steven Adams, but he's not really a scorer. I thought where him and Jaron Jackson let the team down was on the boards. You know, they normally combine for about 16 a game. They only had seven. So if you're Coach Jenkins, what adjustment does he have to make? Because it looks like the Grizzlies' issues are actually defending Minnesota. Yeah, they were – that was a big problem, Sean, no doubt about it. They they are a better rebounding team than what they showed. They're a better defensive team than what they showed. They scored – about what they average in that building, 117 points, and got beat by 13. I thought it was a little closer than that down the stretch. They were they were in striking distance in that fourth quarter, but Minnesota just seemingly had an answer. And I, I just thought they they had such good ball movement and really caught the Grizzlies in, in switches and and had the answers for what they wanted to do and where they wanted to get you. They dictated uh, that a lot throughout the night. A couple of times when we were on the call. We noticed that, you know, you got to respect Anthony Edwards' quickness for sure and his athleticism, but you got to also realize if you give him space, he's going to take that shot. And when he got into that rhythm and got into that groove, that, that became a, a big issue. So, yes, the, the pressure does now fall on, on Coach Jenkins and the rest of the team. I know uh, enough about him to know that he has poured over this film relentlessly to see where they can make some adjustments. This was not something that they hadn't seen before from Minnesota. There was a game earlier in the year where the Grizzlies were down by 20 in Memphis, came back and won. And the next time they faced Minnesota was one of their worst losses of the year. Minnesota came out with that aggressive nature, with that swagger they had in game one and buried everything they shot from the perimeter with great ball movement. The two teams split the two games in the regular season. And when Minnesota was successful, it was because of that ball movement, uh, getting them the mismatches they wanted and, and getting Steven Adams away from the basket so he can't box out. I think there was a possession. The Grizzlies were down four, and Minnesota got four shots to the basket and finally made a three. And you know you just can't you can't do that in the playoffs. And that's not generally who the Grizzlies have been. And you know it's a tough way to go out and start a series, but you still got to win three more if you're the, the Wolves. And the Grizzlies still have to win four more. So uh, the one thing I've seen through this team throughout the entire year has been the resiliency to come back from losses and play much better. They showed that. After that lopsided loss in Minnesota, the next night they went to Utah and beat the Jazz uh, on their home floor, which was, a, a, I thought, a big turning point in the season where the defense started to get a little bit better. So I would expect more of that tomorrow night than what we saw in game one. But I also have a tremendous amount of respect for the job Chris Finch has done with this team and um, the, the way that he's got a, a young group, like the Grizzlies are young, playing at a, a very mature level and, and playing that they believe that they can, they can do anything uh, in this series that they, that they want. And that's how you go into a playoff series and win one in this league. It's you got to have that confidence and that swagger to believe you're, you're there for a reason. And they do. Eric Hasselting radio play by play voice for the Grizzlies here on the nightcap. Of course, we're a gambling network. E. So in your opinion, knowing that you've seen this team night in and night out for a full year, who is it that you think is going to have the breakout game 
for the Grizzlies from a point standpoint and a rebounding standpoint in game two? Well, I, I think you've for the breakout, Jaron's going to be better than, than he was if he stays out of that foul trouble. That's the big key with him. And if you're looking at props and stuff like that, it's, it's always with Jaron. If he stays out of foul trouble, he can really impact the game on, on not just the defensive end, but the offensive end as well. De'Anthony Melton did not do De'Anthony Melton things in game one. I, I think Desmond Bain's probably a good look at for, for made threes and for getting into a good rhythm. He, he did his typical average night, but he wants to be better than that. So um, they've got to make sure what they don't get into is what I thought they got into a little bit, which is a little bit of hero ball, trying to go one-on-one, trying to make a big play, trying to exploit what you think is a, a matchup in your favor and, and state of their game plan, which is ball movement, spreading the floor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen what they, what they put out there. They always have some crazy ones out there, but <laughs> I think Adams and rebounds would be a good one because he's not going to take lightly what happened in game one. And I think, uh, Morant and assists would probably be a good one to look at because he'll try to get guys involved from the word go, I think, tomorrow night and not try to shoulder the load as much as he did in game number one. His scoring will be there and he'll get his points, but I think the assists should be one to watch for for, uh, for Ja as well. And yeah, watch Tyus Jones because when he gets going, he takes very, very good care of the basketball. He led the league in assist to turnover ratio. Uh, he set an NBA record in that category. And when he gets his guys going, uh, that second unit, that those bench points can pile up in a hurry. He's Eric Hasseltine. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. We appreciate the time, Eric, and have a great call tomorrow night. Great stuff, E. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. Have a great week. There he is, Eric Hasseltine. Great stuff from him, really in-depth on the Memphis Grizzlies. You see the uh, uh, what uh, John Morant put out? Uh, what did he say? He put out a gif of Michael Jordan from The Last Dance after they lost game one to yeah. the Hornets. I wish we had more time with you. I wanted to find out you know, how important this series was that Josh signed in for that 217 in June. <laughs> it is the nightcap here on Visa. This is the nightcap on Visa, the sports betting network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, less than two weeks away. We'll have a mock draft from our one and only Matt Humans, Michael Lombardi. He's a former NFL GM. We'll get his draft analysis. We've got Sean King, my guy here, and Mike Pritchard, also a first-round pick, giving you all of their insights and voice of the Raiders, legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger with his draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash spring. It is the nightcap. Great stuff. Eric Hasseltine joining us just a moment ago. Uh, I'm going to get back to the draft here. Ben Solak from The Ringer. He's going to join us top of the hour. Last year, I always like to give credit where credit's due. Last year, he joined the show, I don't know, two or three weeks out mm-hmm. and said J.C. Horn will be the first defensive back selected. At the time, Sean, it was like eight to one odds. Okay. So he nailed that, and uh, that was a nice cash. Uh, so we will have Ben on. Great stuff from him uh, coming up in just a moment. We're going to get to what Sean alluded to a little bit earlier in the show about Sauce Gardner and where he ultimately could land and if there's a bet out there to make on Sauce Gardner. But let's get you updated on the NBA 
we have two games going on right now. And how about the Dallas Mavericks? The Lucas Mavs are up on the Jazz right now, 102 to 98. What a win this would be for the Mavs. A five point home underdog, Sean. They could pull this off in theory, get Luka back. Who knows how healthy, but if they get him back, you know, they're probably around a pick em, maybe a short dog on the road at Utah. That next game will be on Thursday, so a couple more days. Uh, but, man, Jalen Brunson has gone nuclear here. He has 38 points, and uh, this is this would be quite, quite the victory for Dallas. Yeah, it, it, it pains me when I see this Villanova guy succeeding. <laughs> I was watching the Suns and just – what's the guy's name from the Suns that went to Villanova? Bridges. Bridges, yeah. It's, the uncles at it again. Good at playing basketball. But by the way, this is uh, far from over. Utah only down two now, cutting that deficit down to two. This game looks like, let me just double check. Under four minutes, though. I told you, this is when when it matters. It's going to hit the over here uh, because this game had the lowest total on the board just at 206. Oh, 206. Yeah, the the live line is up to 216 and a half. But Dallas doing their thing, man. Uh, So Dallas leading 104 to 100. I learned a valuable lesson last year. Mm -hmm. Don't trust Utah. Uh, I think that's a fair yeah. – honestly, that's another reason, Sean, why I bet Phoenix to win the Western Conference because I really like their draw. Now, if Luka ends up being 100%, it gets a little more nerve-wracking. I just think Phoenix is really damn good. I don't want to be prisoner of the moment. There's a part of me that wants to put something on on the Timberwolves. To win the West? Yeah. They just are playing on a different level. I mean, like all you the can criticism, still get a plus money to win the series at up one zero. Yeah, I know that too. But I'm saying also just to have a ticket because Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know what big guys in a three point competition like does for their psyche, but I mean he's been MVP caliber since winning a three point competition. Well, and the crazy thing was, and I'm mad at myself, Sean, for not having more foresight and playing them. Everyone just kind of jumped on. Oh, we're gonna fade. Fade Minnesota right. because they celebrated after right, winning. Right, right. Like so, they believe. I should have known. Right. And here was the thing, Sean. They won that game, right? That seven-eight game. Mm-hmm. And Carl Anthony Towns was awful. He was. He's he in was foul trouble. Horrendous. But he made up for it in game yeah, one. Yeah, he did. So, did Erica talk you off the ledge if you're Memphis, or you think? Nah, I'm not. I'm not sure that Memphis's issues are fixable versus versus this particular opponent. You know, they have very skilled wing players in Brooks and Bain, but they don't have anyone near the athletic ability of Anthony Edwards. And so it's a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a tough matchup for them. They don't match up athletically. You know, on the wing. I mean, John Morant's a super athlete, but he's not big enough, you know, to check Anthony Edwards. So, by the way, Dallas up five, minute twenty to go. Oh, this is over. They've been red hot from three. Yeah, Utah's not a team that can come back if they they're a front running yeah. team. Maxi Kleber has played yeah remarkable tonight. So this would be a huge win. Uh, for what was Jason Utah Chris. minus five, five and a half? Yeah, yeah. catching five. Times. That was a stinky line anyway. Yeah, game two in Dallas. You know they got to put everything they have into it, and the number's only five without Luka. They were down seven at the break, and they have turned it around. So we'll keep you updated on that. So once again, we're going to talk more NFL draft coming up top of the hour. Denver and Golden State tied 
at 29. That one early in the second quarter. But I want to revisit something, Sean, that you said earlier in the show. So Ahmad Sauce Gardner, top corner in the draft. Mm -hmm. His over-under is set at 7.5. Now the juice has moved over the weekend. The juice is pretty heavy to the under. And depending on where you look, at DraftKings, it's around minus 185. But you can find it as low as minus 150 at Caesars. I played it on Friday, but didn't give it out on the show, which is which is my fault. But I'll give it out now. Under 7.5, minus 150. And I will also play him even money, a little smaller bet to go top five. I think he's great, but hearing what you found out over the weekend made me launch a little bit more. Well, last week, I think it was Thursday, we did our mock drafts, yep. and I played GM for the top 10 teams with the top 10 selections in this draft. And at number three, I selected Sauce Gardner. And so I'm the kind of person, once I put something out there publicly like that, I want to get a feel for you know what some of the guys that are actually in the positions are thinking. So... I made a bunch of calls this weekend, and four defensive coordinators told me Sauce Gardner was the number one ranked defensive player on their entire board. So ahead of Aiden Hutchinson, yes. ahead of Walker, yes. ahead of Thibodeau. Regardless of position, wow. that he was the number one player on their board. So I think there's a lot of momentum behind Sauce Gardner. I think the evaluation process has justified you know, his billing, and I'd be shocked if he gets past the top three picks. I really would because – you just don't find cornerbacks that are as big as Sauce Gardner that move as well as he does, that have the top-end speed, have ball skills, and are physical. Like he's the entire package. You know, one coordinator even said he wouldn't be surprised if Sauce is in the conversation for Pro Bowl as a rookie. So he's that highly thought of. Well, I saw one mock draft today from a, a pretty solid uh, you know, mock drafter. Uh, Ryan McChrystal, part of uh, Sharp Football Analysis, he had Sauce going four. Um, and I think at even money, it is now, especially from what you have heard, and just everything makes a lot of sense. The The value of a corner is is high in this in the A league. long corner uh, that can change direction and run. Because so, generally when those guys are bigger, they're like the Richard Shermans of the world. No offense to Richard Sherman, but they're really good if they get their hands on receivers, but they're not great dropping their hips, their hips coming, you know, and breaking on routes, you know, changing direction. They kind of struggle. And, you know, he's just this unicorn. And that his athleticism is elite in spite of his size. So I think likely landing spots. I think the Jets at four could make some sense. I know there was buzz today from Peter Schrager of, uh, of the NFL Network about Kayvon Thibodeau's workout with the Jets. But I think the Giants, a lot of people had him – at worst, going Giants at seven. But if there's this buzz, maybe the Giants go with Sauce Gardner at five. I know there's the thought, Sean, at mm -hmm. six, Carolina drafted J.C. Horn last year. So if you're the Giants, would you feel nervous potentially losing? But what we know about six is that Carolina's calling. They're asking around. So if Sauce is as highly evaluated as you say he is, mm -hmm. which I have no reason to think that he isn't, then a team, if he's available at six, is going to trade up, potentially, because Carolina needs assets and here, in the second and third round. And here's why. There's such a distance between 
Sauce Gardner, and then the next two guys. Really? Trick McDuffie Derek and Derek Stingley. Yeah, because Sauce has the actual film, and he's bigger, moves just as good. His best tape is as good as Stingley's best tape. It's just a whole lot more of it. You know, so if there was a position that has some scarcity, in my opinion, especially for a proven known commodity, I think it's cornerback. You know, it also applies as applicable to safety with Kyle Hamilton, but Kyle Hamilton didn't test off the charts like Sauce Gardner. Kyle Hamilton's coming off of being injured the majority of the last season. So there's some question marks, you know, surrounding him that don't surround Sauce. Sauce Gardner, if you're wondering, six foot two and a half, ran a four four one at the combine, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh not too shabby. Not at all. Not too shabby. Under seven and a half, minus one fifty. You can find that at Caesars. And I think even money, top five, worth a look as well. Cash the ticket. We'll talk to Ben Solak from The Ringer coming up top of the hour. Get his thoughts on all things NFL draft. 